0: this week on squats and margaritas it's new york times best-selling author the hungry girl herself lisa lillian she's a media personality she calls herself a foodologist she comes up with recipes and life hacks for hungry girls I too am a hungry girl. Her recipes are easy. So definitely got my attention as a mom. She went from a concept to a mega brand and I want to talk to her about how she did it. Here's my episode with hungry girl, Lisa Lillian. Good Hi. morning.
1: How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. Of course you're a legend. It's almost 18 years, like literally 18 years that I've been doing this. It's crazy. It's crazy
0: but you built a brand and I obviously want to talk about food but I want to talk about that brand building too because you took a concept and built it into this mega brand and I'm a mompreneur um I have a 3 and a 6 year old and it's it's tough like I'm drowning and admittedly and when I'm focused on my brand I feel like I'm a shitty mom when I'm with my kids I can't turn off my brain and I'm like Thinking of a show that I have to edit. And I just feel like I'm coming up short in both areas. So, I want to talk to you about both of those things on the show. But I wanted to start with just the story of Hungry Girl, because you weren't always a self proclaimed foodologist, like you used to work in TV.
1: I worked in TV. Uh, My real background was um, print. So I was a teen magazine editor when I was like 20. And then I worked for Nickelodeon. I worked for Warner Brothers. I was always, you know, in some sort of creative role, but always just like loving food and felt that food was my passion, even though I don't have any kind of food degree at all. Like I am not a medical professional. I'm not a chef. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm none of those things. I'm, I always just say, I'm just hungry. And yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I like, I had so much experience in online and I watched all of these big, huge companies spend so much money building huge portals and hiring high level executives without a real business plan. And I've watched a lot of these big operations sort of crumble that it inspired me to like start something small that was just a little bit more um, focused. So it wasn't about building a huge amount of content for a small number of people. It was more about putting out a small amount of content that might appeal to a huge number of people. And it was literally, it was before blogs, it was before social media, it was before blogging. So it was a very open playing field, luckily for me. So there was no competition.
0: Did you struggle with imposter syndrome? Like going into the food industry as like, not as a nutritionist, not as a uh, chef um, or did it, you're just like, no, I'm doing this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it didn't occur to me. I think everyone else around me was like, well, why, like, who are you? And why is anyone going to listen to you? Because remember there were no blogs. So now blogs make everybody have a voice. And of course, whether it's just like your sister, your aunt, your cousin, your mom reading your blog, there's an audience. But back then everyone was like, who is going to care what you have to say? Everyone. <laughs> like I am a food gossip. I would be the person that would stand next to you at the supermarket. And if I saw you picking up certain products, I would actually say, you know what? If you're looking at this, this is what you should get because this is way better. <laughs> and I'm like, I just want to share that information with the world.
0: Um, I could not relate to that anymore. That's exactly why I wrote my book and I do squats and margaritas. It's like, I found out a formula that works after all these years. And my writing coach was like, who would listen to you? Like, are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? And I was like, no, but I've done the work because I... I battled bulimia, anorexia, um, just restriction and deprivation. And I said, I did it for 20 years. And now I live like this. And I just want to help women and share this message. But it was the same thing. She was like, why would anyone, you don't have any background in it. But I was like, I've lived experience. And that's what makes me wonder too, like, did you ever struggle with your weight or any kind of disordered eating that kind of inspired you to find this field?
1: Well, Yeah, I was like a chubby little kid and I grew up with a mom who is a yo-yo dieter. To this day, my mom goes up and down those same like 30 pounds and will say to me, I just ate a whole bag of broccoli. Is that bad? And I'm like, mom, you have been on every diet that has ever existed. You don't know that broccoli is healthy. Like so I did. I grew up with a little of that. It's the credibility thing. Like, I remember I had a friend, like I started the daily emails because I was a reader of Daily Candy back in the day. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I love the concept of this daily nugget of something that's going to help somebody, whether it's a local restaurant find or a cool product. But I applied that to food. And so the email list was growing and growing. And a friend of mine said that he had a literary agent friend and that I should go meet with her. And I was like, oh, cool! let me go sit with her. I have never been so belittled. (laughs) (laughs) This person was literally like, seriously, like, who are you? Like, who would care about anything you have to say? Like, why would anyone care? I was like, that's the whole point. It's like a new approach. It's like, I'm a friend next door. I'm authentic. I can write in a fun, relatable way. I have ideas. So who wouldn't want to, you know, I have confidence in this potential brand, but I did leave that thing. I was like, Whoa, maybe I'll never write a book, (laughs) but
0: and look at how many have you written? (laughs) I'm on on number 15. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Exactly. But I feel like regardless of we have credibility, you and I are relatable and it's almost like we're still on the journey. And it's like, you're bringing someone on with you. You're not sitting on your high horse. Like this is what you should do. I have a PhD. It makes you relatable and just trustworthy. You're kind of like saying, here's what I struggled with. Here's what i found, found. Um, here's what can help you too. And you're kind of on the journey with the reader or with the subscriber.
1: 100%. When I built the brand, I said, wow, this is a lot of work. I wish I could just be a hungry girl reader. Like I wish <laughs> I could be a subscriber instead of having to do all the work because- I always put myself in the shoes of the person getting the information. So I always want it to be relatable, interesting, helpful, and authentic because what I struggle with and what I deal with is different from what other people do. So all I can do is share what works for me and give people knowledge and ideas, and then they can apply it however they want to apply it.
0: And you have, like, it just started out with the daily like tips. How did it evolve? into the empire that is Hungry Girl today?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I started sending daily emails and mostly it was like hacks and food finds. And back then, you know, times have changed, obviously. So back then it was a lot of survival guides. You know, the language is Uh not cool right now. You can't say, well, here's how you survive at Starbucks. It's more like it was tips and hacks on how to order or things that work for me or things that I liked. because in all honesty, my audience was and still is diety. Yep. And a, a lot of them still count calories or just want that information. However, they're applying it. They still want that knowledge. So that's what was in my daily emails. And then the recipes didn't start until like, I remember like six months in, I put in some random recipe for like a stuffed baked potato that I used to make and people went crazy. <laughs> people like okay. More, more. <laughs> they wanted recipes. And obviously that's like primarily what, you know, what I do now with you know, the books and the magazines and things, and even in the daily emails. So people want ideas and hacks and easy ways to prepare foods. I want to make everybody feel like they're a bit of a chef, even if they feel like they can't do anything right in the kitchen. Yeah. You're so in tune
0: with what your audience wants. Like, how did you know, because there wasn't Instagram, like, well, this one had a lot more engagement. Like, how did you know that people wanted recipes and that this was resonating more than something else that you were putting out?
1: I I mean I kind of run everything on instinct and I I really people will always ask me that and I was asked to go speak I think it was at Craft very early on and they were like well how do you te- focus group test everything and I'm like I don't I just run everything on instinct and I feel wow. like I have universal taste buds and yeah. I know what people like and assure everybody wants to eat a b c and d but I run everything on instinct. And I remember the, the guy, like the executive at craft was like, well, how do you teach people to have good instincts? And I was like, uh, you, you don't <laughs> right? It's a tough thing to do, but yeah, you got
0: it or you don't.
1: <laughs> I just do everything through intuition. Like it's- I love that. I, I
0: have started putting like in my reels, what do you want to see more of? Cause like I start doing what I want to see, but like you said like you put yourself in the who's consuming the content seat. And it's like, I want, I guess I have the noise from that writing coach about, I'm not a trainer. So when I put out like a, a workout, I was a division one athlete in college. I played soccer all my life. I know how to lift, but I'm not a trainer. So I was like, I can't put out workouts. Like during the pandemic, I'd be like, put your kids on your back. And cause your gyms are closed. And I remember a publicist saying like, what if someone got hurt? Like you can't give workouts. You're not a trainer. So then I'll do like Baby voice TikToks because I do have a, I'm really good at lip syncs and I enjoy doing I it. I saw, I watched. But the thing is, like, who <laughs> wants, what if some people are like, we don't need a baby voice TikTok? Like, we want, can you give us a workout? Can you give us a recipe? And when I did this or that on Reels, I was like, what do you want to see more of? Like, my son's really cute, like funny things that he does, fitness, everything. It was like 80% more fitness. And I was like, okay, maybe that's what people want, even though
1: I'm not a trainer. It's okay. You can say what works for you. And if there's anything sort of technical, you can go to an expert and say, this is what I do. And this person recommends that like that's what I do. I I position myself as not a medical professional. I am not any sort of expert in the field. But when there's something that somebody has a serious question about, I go to the experts. I have a lot of friends that are registered dietitians or doctors or who know way more about that stuff than I do.
0: Yeah. Just having like that network of people. Like, I think you said you have a registered dietitian that it's like, if you really need, Oh, can you tell the story first about how it started with the, um, I don't know if it was donuts or something where you were like, this cannot be right about the calories.
1: Yeah. That was amazing. Like, I, I just remember we were eating. There was a place called the slender sweet shop. I don't know if I should name it, but it's gone. (laughs) gone. I can mute it. (laughs) I mean, I would drive there and buy these things. It was like magical desserts with like puffy mousses and cream and everything. And I was like, these are amazing. And I had lost a bunch of weight and I was very much avoiding certain foods that I knew were sort of, sort of for me. Exactly. And these pastries obviously were like that. So I'm like, well, I just want to know. I don't believe You know, I had seen the episode of Seinfeld where they took the frozen yogurt to the lab and I was like, (laughs) I want to take this to a lab. And so I researched a lab and and drove these pastries and brownies and whatever in my car to like this place an hour away from where I lived and spent a whole bunch of money and had them tested. And they came back with twice as many calories. than And I was like, wow, this is like you know, knowledge is power. I wasn't angry. I was just like, okay, I'll either eat half or I won't eat all of them. But I, I, at that point, it made me think, I'm like, well, I'm nutty. And I think people would benefit from my passion for doing things like this. A lot of people don't have the resources or the time or the energy, but would appreciate somebody who cared that much about food to bring them information. So I never yeah. really outed that place. That but it can- did- <laughs> I can block that. This can be edited. This is not live. We can not out them if you, you know, want. Like, this is the weirdest thing. Like four years ago, I decided to drive back there and see like what was going on there. And literally the roof had caved in. Like literally when I, it was like probably- Karma. I went there, I'm like, oh, this is so weird. Karma. Yeah. They were lying to the people.
0: That you just <laughs> makes me think about the calories. For someone that struggled with anorexia and bulimia and is finally ish, like healed ish. Um, with the mental stuff. I hate that there are calories right next to every menu item. Like I just want to eat what I want to eat now and to see it right there. And I know it's how it I'm sure it helps a lot of people, but not people that are in the eating disorder recovered ish community. I hate it.
1: I know. Well, there's a few things I want to say about that. One, first of all, you know, that there are a lot of restaurants that will try to get out of that by changing the name of some of their locations. So they don't have enough, like I'll give you an example, Houston. So Houston's changed a lot of their restaurants to Hillstone in New York city, because if you have under a certain amount of restaurants, you don't have to post the calories. Wow. that's, That's a workaround, but I did, I've talked to people that work at restaurants and I've talked to health professionals and they say the information on the menu does not help people make smarter choices typically. But for me personally, like I don't mind it because I am like a big believer in knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And if I look at something on the menu and I do, I'm, I'm sorry, like I know not everybody does these days, but I'm aware of calories to some degree. And I yeah. always like it's like you can only eat. You can't eat everything you want all the time. It's so it's a, given, it's a balance. So if I look at a salad on a menu and I'm like, wow, that salad has 2000 calories. Well, let me look at what's in that salad. I won't throw this salad away. I will like in my brain, I'll just be like, Oh, maybe I won't eat all the noodles or I'll dip the dressing instead of pouring the dressing. Cause at least 500 calories are coming from the dressing. Mm-hmm. Like, and if that thinking is not for everybody, that's okay. But that's still kind of how I operate. And a lot of the hungry girl readers operate
0: that actually makes complete sense. Cause that is what I do without seeing the calories. Like I will make little swaps or edits like, and people do love that. Like when you do the legwork for them, like here's my Chick-fil-A order, like at Chick-fil-A, I get the grilled chicken club, but I don't eat half the bun. Like I put the bottom bun and then I put a lettuce on the top, but then I have a handful of fries. And I say, I do this because I don't need the bun. Like I don't, I'm not going to think about the bun for another second, but I do need the fries. And if I have fries, I don't feel deprived because I got fries and I'm learning now it's more about like what your brain if your brain sees all this diet food it doesn't feel satisfied. So it's like I got the fries, I'm good. I can stop with just a handful of fries. And you know
1: I, I totally agree. And I feel like there are some people that are more all or nothing. So they don't yes. understand because no. it's like when I was even younger, we go out and we get like, you know, we go to McDonald's and get fries and a diet coke. And people were like, why are you getting the diet Coke? And I'm like, first of all, well, I, I used to just like the flavor of it. I don't really drink soda anymore, but I you save where you can. It's about yes. being, you don't have to eat everything all the time. It's totally fine to just cut where you want to.
0: That's exactly what squats and margaritas is. It's having those daily indulgences that you need to have. For me, it's something sweet in the morning with my coffee. I have it every day. I don't have it after every meal, but if I can have that and I can have, I, I truly drink a glass of wine or margarita every day. If I can have those things, you make allowances elsewhere with something that you don't really need to have that you're just eating to eat it. Like the bun on a sandwich, I don't need that. I need my wine or I need, so I'll, I never deprive myself of what I want to have. And I just make allowances for it somewhere else in the day and you keep on moving.
1: And And so why, tell me why you think people think that is disordered eating to some degree. Oh God, I've been ripped apart, Lisa, like ripped apart in my book. And I do,
0: I, I I'm still on the journey. I called my book a journey to finding balance because I, I know what an eating disorder is. I lived, I was throwing up my food for 10 years. Like I know what that is. I don't do anything like that anymore, but I have the noise and I'll be talking to like mental health advocates who will cringe at some of the things I say, because I don't have the language or I'll say, I said I said, when I was bulimic the other day, I hate, I admit it though. I said this, I said, when you're bulimic, everyone thinks, Oh, you throw up your food. You're probably really uh, skinny. But I was like, no, I look like I was in a fat suit of myself. And she was like, you probably shouldn't say fat suit. And I was like, I'm sorry, like, I don't have the right words. And I mentally still am in the pursuit of a physical ideal, but because I feel my best in my best physical body, but I pursue it in a healthy way. I eat when I'm hungry, I stop when I'm satisfied. I don't over-exercise anymore. So I felt like I could share this with anyone that's still in the binge purge, restriction, deprivation, exercise is a whole nother thing, over-exercising and being like, here's what I do now. But because I shared my eating disorder history, the book made it to the eating disorder community. And they're like, you are not a professional. You should not be speaking on recovery. Your language is fat phobic.
1: And I'm like, okay, I I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. You're sharing your authentic experience. Yeah, And I think you're probably helping tons of people by doing that. And like, I try very hard to never be, preachy or say like, my way is the only way I firmly believe I want to give people as much information about whatever foods recipes, and then they can make their decisions. And it's Mm -hmm. really more about whatever works for them. But I do find people want that magic bullet. They want (laughs) one answer. They want to know, well, I only eat natural foods. If I shop at Whole Foods and I eat everything natural from Whole Foods, then it's healthy and it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. And it's just not true. If you eat organic food, that's not the answer. There's no one enemy. It's not Uh -uh. about eating non-GMO. It's not about necessarily, unless you really have to for health purposes, gluten or any of those things.
0: You share what works for you. And this may, I was so compelled to share this because I struggled for so long that I was like, I have to tell the woman on the treadmill who was me seven days a week, would not take a day off, only ate salads to be like, listen, if you just calm down and I had so many rules on myself, like today's not a drinking day and I'm not having uh, sugar during the week, but then you binge on the weekends. And then it's a cycle. I found balance where you have what you want to have. You make allowances throughout the day. You work out, you still move your body. Cause I need, I want to exercise. I want to be strong, but maybe three, four times a week, not seven. And I'm telling you, you couldn't pay me to not work out seven days a week. I was living in a state of stress, which produces cortisol, which makes you hold on to fat. And I don't, it sounds counterintuitive. Like I don't try as hard anymore. I eat what I want. I don't eat a ton. Like I stop when I'm satisfied, I move my body and I weigh 20 pounds less. And I just heard myself do it. I'm going back to a weight loss, but what I used to do to my body in pursuit of a weight loss and like harming my body. And I weighed 20 pounds more, enjoy your life. And the pursuit that you're trying to achieve can be achieved in a healthy way. And you don't need to stress out like that. That was my message. Like get off the treadmill, eat when you're hungry. Like I'm a hungry girl too. And I just started being an eating girl because I would be like, No calories in versus calories out, deprive, restrict, because that's what women are told. And it failed me for 20 years. And now I eat so much more. Um, and I turn my metabolism back on and I feel like my body trusts me again. And this is how I live now. It works for me. And I'm going to share it with the woman who is dieting and working out and not seeing results. But because I shared my story to try to get credibility with the reader, because I'm not a nutritionist. The eating disorder community was like, you should not be talking about this. But like you said, you share what works for you. And I know that it resonates with people because people will message me and I'm going to continue to share my story and share what works for me because I struggled for so long. And this may work for someone
1: else who's still in the struggle. Absolutely. And not, there's not one answer for everybody. Yeah. Sometimes when people just like, they want to pick at you and complain, it means, you know, you've arrived. (laughs) <laughs> they just like they want to tear you down so well, I wouldn't thank you worry much about that but yeah i mean over the years i used to be so sensitive you know social media was not part of my world when i started it was like i had a one-way communication with my audience and occasionally you know we'd get like 25 emails a day people usually it was like love letters everybody being yeah. very thankful but the minute social media came around and like all of a sudden Facebook grew in my world to be pretty huge, it like freaked me out that everybody was so many people were saying all these rude things. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. Like what? if you don't like what is going on here, you can leave. There's no. And like I remember it was my husband who was like, you should just block those people. It's like if somebody came into your house and sat in your living room and started, saying obnoxious things and throwing things around, would you not make them leave your house? True. Like, yeah, I would. I like so, that. I don't allow that stuff. It's not like we even have to do that that much anymore, but like, if people are going to be rude and obnoxious, just, this is not for you. It's not for everybody. Like, And it, what they're saying is
0: more, it says more about themselves. It's something that they have within themselves that you're triggering. Like when people go at my body, like she's a man, that looks like a man because I have muscle and it's like, I was like, well, that was mean. And that one bothered me for so long. They're like, this is a woman. And it was a picture of me working out. And I was like, <laughs> but then I'm like, whoever said that, like they have an issue. Maybe they're trying to build muscle. Like you can't, they're just throwing stuff at you right? People because it's be their noise. Mean. Oh God.
1: I I, I, someone wrote in and said, I was really short. Like they saw me on TV <laughs> and like, you're so short. Like you look like you don't look normal. I was like, oh my God. what? And I was wearing four inch heels. I'm like,
0: <laughs> they're wow. con- there. They have noise about their height. That's what we say to that. When did you get to the point of like, just block it and move on? Cause I'm still not there. I want to see what they have to say. <laughs> I,
1: I, and sometimes I try, you know, it's funny through the years I change cause sometimes I'll actually take the time to respond. If somebody seems reasonable and like they have a point and I want to respond. Mm-hmm. And usually If you do that, they're appreciative of it. But if someone is just being mean for the sake of being mean like i'll usually just like write it off and be like well they're really unhappy and you move on you just kind of have to the world yeah. is a little social media gives everybody the opportunity to say things anonymously so like <laughs> you're walking down the street and you see someone wearing a really hideous sweater are you going to be like your sweater's ugly <laughs> no because that person's going to look right at you and be like like what's wrong with you yeah, like, well- you're short like, right. <laughs> Social media <laughs> yeah. allows you to do that. It's just like you can say whatever you want and there's no repercussions and there are no rules and it's like the wild, wild west. So
0: yeah, but I love your husband's advice. Like if they were sitting in your living room saying that, you'd be like, excuse me, bye. So block. Huh. Bye.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that was years ago, but I love is- it.
0: Would you say that you live a balanced lifestyle with like exercise, um eating what you want, alcohol?
1: <laughs> 1 million percent. Like I, I absolutely like I go out to dinner. I have a cocktail. I'm not a huge drinker, but I will have a few cocktails a week. Um, I love making cocktails. I have Mm. tons of amazing cocktail recipes. I I eat what I want, but I don't eat everything that I want. And I do plan. I mean, my nature, I'm a very like high level executive functioning brain person. Mm -hmm. So I think about my day and food is part of that day. And I know if I'm going somewhere later, I'm going to eat A, B, and C that I'll try to make smarter choices throughout the day, but I don't obsess over it. Um, But I I like to be prepared. I was always like the student in school who brought like the two sharpened number two pencils. Mm -hmm. Are you first born? (laughs) Third. I'm the baby.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm first born and I feel like you're describing me. Um, (laughs) But then it got so perfectionist that it turned into an eating disorder because everything had to be and so you maybe it didn't go that far. <laughs> I needed to be I've a third. I've never
1: part. had like an eating disorder, but some might say counting calories is a disordered eating thing. But I I've wouldn't. never like no. a binge or, binge or purge or any anything like that.
0: Like I've noticed and I I wasn't either. Like I wasn't I was gonna write this book and just I said, I just want to help women. They're like, No, you have to tell your story. When I told it, I get so many messages, like you're the first person I've ever told. My husband doesn't know. Cause it's like when you put it out there. And now it's like, I share everything. Cause I feel like my big one, the bulimia is out. It's like, I'll share too much, but I'm like, nothing is scary anymore. I feel like I'm just lighter. And I want to build a community. Like I had Katie Couric on talking about her bulimia. And I feel like if, if someone else is still in it and it's like, I'm never going to get out and feels like it's only them. Like someone in the public eye, like Katie Couric is like me too. And when you find someone else, it's like, Oh God, I'm not the only one. And she came out of it. Hopefully You're not going to feel isolated and alone because an eating disorder is the most isolating, secretive thing that you can have because you don't want anybody to know what you're doing. Mm
1: -hmm. It's amazing that you're doing that. And don't let anyone stop you. I think it's so important, truly. I really appreciate that.
0: I do still have the noise. I feel like I'll always have food noise. That's why, like, I don't want to see the calories. I don't want to go back to that anymore. Portions. I want to talk like what I found now, what I do, and it's kind of the opposite of what you just said. When you see like all of the things that are in a salad, that's 2000 calories. So you remove what I used to do. I I don't have a better example than fish tacos. I say it on every podcast, but I have to, I need to have fish tacos. If they're on the menu, it's my favorite thing before, not in the eating disorder, throwing up my food, but like post disorder and just restriction, Aaron, I would say fish tacos, but no cheese, sour cream on the side. Basically what was brought to me is nothing that I even enjoyed because nothing is on it. I would eat them all. Because it's basically fat-free. It's just like fish. And this is how I'd rationalize myself. I didn't enjoy it. It's not good. All the good stuff is off. Now I get fish tacos and I eat it exactly as it's prepared with sour cream, cheese, guacamole. I eat one and then I check in. I'm just intuitive. Do I want another one? Yes. Have another one. Do I need the third or the fourth one? No, I'll take it home. My brain is satisfied because I got fish tacos exactly how they were prepared. I don't feel like I was deprived at all, but I didn't eat four of them. I just check in. It's just taking that second to be like, are you eating because it's there or are you already satisfied? And that has changed everything, that mindfulness.
1: Mindfulness, if it works for you, is amazing. And I do the same thing. And I used to be a person who cleaned everything off my plate and ate everything. And I just don't do that anymore. But I feel like a lot of people can't, they don't have the ability to do that because I think that they're eating for other reasons. Mm -hmm. They can't stop themselves because there's other sort of noise going on for them. But like, as far as how I usually I like, I could create the best fish tacos at home. Like I love whatever I can make in a healthier way that I think actually tastes better. I do that at home. And when I, like, I'm more mindful when I go out to eat, usually, unless I'm going somewhere special, like I have a place I love they have the best pretzel bread in the universe, I will make sure I have my pretzel bread. I really, I don't believe in deprivation. I think everything in moderation.
0: Yes, because if you deprive yourself, you're either going to be angry and it's going to make you not stick with, like, your healthy eating plan Or at some point you're just gonna have it because you're sick of it. And then Mm. you have all of it. You have way too much. Like you eat like a cake, piece of cake, and then you're like, Well, I before I'd be like, I blew it, start over again on Monday. Might as well eat the whole cake because I had some, but now it's like, have some, have a little bit. You you could just be satisfied just because you got cake, and it's not fat-free, no icing on the side cake, what I I would do before.
1: Sprinkles on the side. Yes. Like I
0: would. There were so many rules, Lisa. Like, I'd be like, I can't have that. It's during the week. I can't well, drink. Rules,
1: yes. The rules get people in trouble because you hit the nail on the head with the Well, I'll start tomorrow. Like growing up, my mom would be like, okay, I'm starting my diet Monday. It's only Wednesday now. Let's pick out for the next five days. And then mm-hmm. Monday would roll around. And if at two o'clock she made a bad choice, that was it. The week was gone. <laughs> yeah. So when I started hungry girl, it was more like, you know what? It, this is a lifestyle thing. You have to just yes. live little forever. This is not, anyone can lose weight or do whatever they think for a, a period of time. That's why it always frustrated me when like, I have had friends that have seen a lot of success with very extreme weight loss measures. But if you don't sort of um, add in that, like this is a lifestyle and live this way forever, once they flip the switch and they don't eat that way, they've gained it all back and yes. more.
0: This so is sustainable, that, yeah. a lifestyle. It's not sustainable to be on a diet. And then you think now it's like a new year. Everybody did dry January. I was like, hell no, I'm not doing dry January, but we'll do a dry January or a cleanse. But then I want to be like, and my sister does it. Love you if you're listening. But I'd be like, what happens on February 1st? She's like, no, we just go back to drinking. I'm like, I don't understand the point of it. Well, we didn't drink the whole month, but I'm like, but for what? Like you it's not sustainable. It just, it doesn't, I don't understand right. that.
1: Right. And then, so, and then a lot of times the mentality is now you reward yourself and you're eating <laughs> right. more, like the next day, like, yeah, it's been 30 days. Now I need to do 10 times more of what I would have done normally. Th- that is day. how I used to live.
0: I would, during the week, I'm going to eat clean all week. And then on the weekends treat myself. So I would eat really bad or I would drink, I wouldn't drink all, all during the week. So then it's like, I drank a bottle of wine on Saturday night because it was my drinking day and I had to finish it because I can't have it the next day. And then you start back over on Monday at a deficit, you're hungover, you've eaten bad all weekend. Like, and then I'm gonna eat clean during the week. It's a cycle and like it's just- a bad cycle. Yes, but I thought that that was like what to do, like eat clean and then enjoy yourself on the weekend. If you just, you just do that every day, like eat pretty good, um, be intuitive, eat when you're hungry, uh, stop when you're satisfied, have the, the small indulgences that you need to have. Nothing is off limits. And you just, I feel like my body went to where it's supposed to be. And has, I've been able to maintain this through two re- recent ish pregnancies, not trying as hard, just having what I want. And it is hard, like as a mom of two young kids and like, I make their dinner and stuff that they all eat and The fact that you do fast recipes, like you had me at quick recipes that I could just go to your website and you know, it's going to be like healthy ish. You know, it's not going to be the size of a lean cuisine, which is another brain thing because it's not a big portion. Like you eat and you give us recipes that are a nice portion of food. So you don't feel deprived.
1: I like big portions. Me too. I was never the person that could be like, I'll have one bite of this big portions to me. And again, it's about knowing what works for you. Yes. My way is not for everybody, but if, if it, if it's helpful to people, I love it. I've heard from thousands and thousands of people over the years, how much I've helped them and nothing makes me happier. It's just, that's why I do what I do. Exactly. When did
0: you feel like, passionate about it and just like confident enough in it to like make that pivot into, I'm doing this. Like that. You're like, it, you left your job that was already like. Yeah.
1: Set. I was a VP at Warner brothers and I wow. liked the job and it was fun, but I'm like, no, this is like my calling. I, I need to do this. Something just, there was like a corporate therapist that came in to like fix our very dysfunctional little team. And he's the one that inspired me because he actually said to me, all right, Lisa, as part of this exercise, I interviewed four people that report to you and four people in your past that you have reported to. And every single person described you as entrepreneurial. So why haven't you started your own business? Wow. And I was like, uh, cause I just like, I always talk myself into and out of ideas. So like I could come up with 10 ideas and then tell you <laughs> 10 minutes later why they're all terrible. <laughs> but when the idea for Hungry Girl came into my head, I was like, I need to do this. So I just- We're so glad you me.
0: did. <laughs> and you're just so comfortable, like you're everywhere, like Rachel Ray, Dr. Oz, like was that a hard transition to just have this concept and kind of be behind a computer to like on TV? Because were you on, like when you're Warner Brothers, you were kind of behind the scenes, right? Oh,
1: always behind the scenes, petrified of being on TV, petrified of public speaking. What? All of so like I could talk for hours about like face your fears. That is the way to like, whatever, grow as a human being. I was so scared of any of that stuff. I remember my first, there were two, like my first appearance on the Today Show, I was so scared I wanted to turn around and leave the studio. I was like, shaking. yeah, there's book signing again, like a public speaking. I would be the kid who would stay home from school the day that we had to do oral book reports. So I was so afraid of all of that, but I, you know, you just do it and you face it and it gets easier and easier and you learn to love it. That's like- It gets easier, Yeah. You found
0: your calling. You're supposed to be doing this. So I'm so glad that you faced that fear. And yeah, I am too. I'm (laughs) really happy about it. (laughs) What is next? Like where, what's next for Hungry Girl and for just for you personally?
1: Um, Well, I have more books and magazines on the way. I have an Amazon show and a podcast. And like, I do a whole bunch of stuff for Hungry Girl, but like, believe it or not, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'm very into true crime. I am too. 2020 oh. is my favorite. Oh, like boy. the
0: nine o'clock hour on ABC when 2020 comes on like a true crime that like my kids know that's my time. Same.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I dateline 2020. <laughs> there's definitely something true crime related in my future. So <gasps> that 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 I know. I know people are probably like, what? No, that's exciting. My obsession. I know everything. We could probably talk for another hour.
0: <laughs> I can't yeah. turn it off. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm the same. Oh my God what are you like binging right now? Like, what do you watch? It doesn't have to be
1: true, true crime. Like anything well, it, you're into. It used to only be true crime. And then during lockdown, I started watching scripted shows. So I just watched, um, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window with Kristen Bell, which I highly recommend. I love it, her, but I've, I've never even heard of that. It's, it's pretty new. It's like a week old on Netflix. At okay. This point. Um, and it's cute and fun. And I really like the sex lives of college girls. Someone else told me that I haven't seen it really good show. Okay. I, you know, I loved if you hadn't seen the morning show, it was great. Like,
0: why couldn't I get into that? Like everyone told me that I watched two episodes, like just, he was fired and then try it again. I have to, everybody. I was like, I couldn't, I was like, eh.
1: (laughs) okay. The flight attendant, like that's a great one. Um, but yeah, no true crime. That's like on my, if you looked at my DVR, I have everything from like dateline Dateline on ID, 2020, 2020 on ID, 2020 on oxygen. Who the bleep did I marry? Like every single like bottom of the barrel, true crime show is on my DVR.
0: Your husband's kind of like, uh, is there something that I should,
1: <laughs> I'll give him an ice tea and it'll be like, uh, is there antifreeze in this? Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, it's like a running joke because, but I think it's a very common thing. I think women And women like, you know, between 35 and 65 are like crime obsessed, Yeah, even more so than men. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a psychological thing, but I love it. Me too. That's so funny.
0: (laughs) This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you. I was so happy you said yes. I mean, thank you. Well, you're a big deal. Like, I I feel like I'm, I don't know, my show's kind of new. So I'm always like, when I get somebody that's like a well-known person, like I, I just, this meant a lot to me. I really appreciate you saying yes.
1: You're sweet to say that. And you're doing a great job. I love your show. I've listened to a whole bunch of episodes. You have? Yeah. Thank you. Jenny, I really Jenny's my pal. I love Jenny.
0: I just did Jenny's show um, two weeks ago. I mean, how she has maintained her weight and she's a hungry girl. She eats all day long. You see it on her Instagram. She's amazing. She's I know. So honest. She's so real. She is she's so smart. I love She her. is. I love her. I know me too. Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas.